The Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie. And you are listening to the Sunday Grill special on diet culture. I'm joined by Karen Holland from Sparrow Therapy and Wellness from, with Natalie Lennon. She is a nutritional coach and personal trainer and an Instagrammer. Yes. and Peter O'Halloran who is also an Instagrammer soon to be TikTok user and who is a nutritionist and personal trainer as well Um, as I was saying in the last podcast we have been talking about some of the questions that you have been asking our three experts and there's some really interesting ones here um, today one of them and one that I hadn't thought about but they really drive me a bit cracked are these um, fitness trackers but the wearables Let's not name names. We all know what they're called. <laughs> what do you think of these? Mentally, what do you think of these, Karen? Um, if you have any underlying mental health issues, it's just not okay to have them. Anything at all? No. Okay. Um, it can increase anxiety. Um, it can lower mood if it's not met. Um, and also, I don't think it's an accurate um, depiction of um, exercise. You can answer that better than I can, guys. Um, but I just think it, it can, it becomes obsessive. Mm. Um, and kids as well now being marketed towards them. Mm. Um, kids do not need to have 10,000 steps in a day or whatever number they're telling kids to have. Mm. Kids just need to run around and play. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. What do you think of it as personal um, trainers? I would say it's, it's for steps alone. That's probably about it. Even at that, I wouldn't say they're even that accurate because mm. I've often seen people standing there with the Fitbit on their hand going doing this. Mm. And it's and it's tracking <laughs> yeah. steps. Mm. You know, just now obviously you can't hear that, but no. I'm just moving my hand up and down. That's tracking <laughs> yes, steps. You are. Okay. That, that looks very bad now, so <laughs> that's why everyone's laughing, yeah. That's why I don't have a Fitbit on. <laughs> But yeah, I once walked around my sitting room for about an hour watching telly because I was in one of those challenges with one of my friends. I suppose my own thought on fitness watches, I have a fitness watch and now feel a little bit guilty in this room because I love it. That is interesting. No, it's really interesting to hear you have one. Yeah, no, I tell you honestly, because I've gone through this journey where numbers are obsessive. And I absolutely agree in that you should not be wearing one if you're at a bad place with your mental health and your relationship with food and fitness. So I took mine off for seven months. Um, and I said, I'm done with it. I'm, I need to make sure I feel okay without this watch governing my happiness. And it took me three months, I, I would say, before I felt like that anxiety had passed mm. and my, my arm didn't feel naked without it. And then when I felt ready to get back to wearing it again, I did. And now I'm actually a brand ambassador for the company. Um, well, why are you wearing it? Apart so from the brand tell you, ambassadorship. Yeah, it's more so, see, the watch I wear, it's, it's not just step count. Mm. For me, it actually does look at sleep. And then I know we can become obsessive about sleep. But the certain features on the watch I wear, to be honest, it's actually helps slow me down. It tells me when I'm not to train. It tells me when to do an easier session. Okay. Um, but there's days I wake up and I'm like, okay, it's telling me t- that I'm a good to train hard today, but I don't want to and that's okay. And if I found that my mental health was ever taking a tumble or I was pushing myself when I shouldn't because of that, well, then I know it's time to take the watch off again. Okay. I've gone seven to eight months without it to mm. make sure that it is something I'm extremely aware of. And there's a lot of people I know that shouldn't be wearing them. I think it's it's all about your relationship with them. And what about this 10,000 steps that we should all be... Wa- like, I can see the idea behind it that we mm. need to move more. But why not say we need to move more rather than you need to do 10,000 steps? I think sometimes we need a target. Mm. Um, but 
I think I, I think just what you were saying, like I don't think anyone needs to feel bad if they're wearing a watch or no, if they're no. on a diet no. or if they're exercising a certain yeah. way. That's not the aim of this. No, because then if, we're going in the direction. Yeah, it's that, not. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just you have to be hyper vigilant about what works for you, what are your triggers, why you're doing something. And it's always about like, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. Um, mm. And yes, yeah, so I just because I feel bad that you're wearing a watch. No. <laughs> oh, and it's a very pretty one as well. I know. Yeah, like it. it is very pretty. <laughs> yeah, I. I but the ch- the kids one, for example, do we? Oh, I yeah, just, yeah. I I feel like kids should not be wearing them, to be honest, because as adults we're here talking about how sensitive our relationship with them is, and a child doesn't even know, and they are not, they don't have the ability to be as aware as we are. There's no long term studies done to say how wearing. Um, step trackers or fitness trackers will affect a child's mental health in mm. 20 years time because mm. we haven't been around that long yeah. yet it's it's, yeah. it's like vaping isn't it yeah, yeah we yeah. don't know what's well, going to happen I think this. as well if you if if a parent feels that they need to do that um for their child's health um or you know with the recent um uh, app that has come out um with weight loss app for children mm-hmm. um which I don't think any of us agree with no. but no. um if a parent does feel like they have to do that. I don't think there's any parent that would do that without having their child's best interest yes. at heart. Yeah. But what I would say is go to a professional mm-hmm. um, and get help that way. Okay. Because what might work for one child is not going to work for yours. Mm, there were a lot of Christmas presents yeah. for people. Just, you know, There's always a catch-22 because obesity is a growing problem mm-hmm. and amongst children as well. So how do we find an approach that's not obsessive? It's something we'll always try and find an answer for. So they have mm. a place sometimes but mm. I don't know if they really do it and I think that's why we were talking about this this morning about diet culture because mm. it is it's so easy to get obsessed with it negatively well I don't know if there's a positive but it is a very easy obsession to have yeah. and as we've been saying it's what a lot of people seem to have as an obsession this constant diet talk just one final question for you and I think we know the answer to this but maybe we just need to hear it again how does a good diet and exercise affect our mental well-being would you recommend a walk yeah, um, when I like our our clinic is very holistic. Um, so we take in not just the scientific research behind all the therapies we use, but we always have like you know a green prescription. Like so, you know we always encourage exercise. We um help them find routes to uh, find exercise, whether it's in a group or go to a personal trainer. And nutrition is major. Um, you know we were talking there about um types of nuts and um white meats. They're filled with tryptophan, which uh, tryptophan, which is lowers your blood pressure, lowers your anxiety. Mm. That's why after turkey, a feed of turkey, you fall asleep. Mm. <laughs> so if you have anxiety, <laughs> eating those food, popcorn, dark chocolate, mm. they. So I always encourage clients um, with food. I think it's really important. Mm. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, I've often said that as well about um, things that are high with L-tryptophan. Um, it just it before you sleep or even it boosts your serotonin when you sleep as well. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. I suppose with regards to diet. As much as we want to say you can relax and you can have this and that, it is important to get the foods that serve your brain. There are brain foods out there and it's important, I think, with your exercise to be intuitive. Now, that's a very interesting um, word because it seems to be one of the new things that we talk about, intuitive Mm -hmm. eating. But intuitive eating to me is eating 12 donuts because I fancy 12 donuts. That's not really what it's about, is it? Yeah. Um, So intuitive eating is a whole other ballgame and something that probably could be discussed for another hour Mm. I'm not an intuitive eating specialist Mm -hmm. because I don't know if I fully agree with it it is needed for some people I like to use the term intuitive but aware because we both deal with calories 
So we know calories are something that people need to be aware of, whereas intuitive eating cancels out all of that. Mm -hmm. But I like to use the word intuitive with exercise as well. Not People, I think, think it applies just to food and it applies to exercise. So if you wake up and on your plan for the week, you were supposed to have a hit session today, but you feel tired, well, you can go for a walk instead. Mm. Be intuitive with your mm. exercise and movement choice. I, yes. I, I, think people put, I think people put too much emphasis, um, especially January, on training. If, like if you look at your total daily energy expenditure, mm. um, 80% of it is nutrition, mm. including your eat. Mm. But your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is your movement, walking, go for just any type of movement, mm. this this outweighs the exercise. Like mm. it's around 15%, exercise only 5%, mm. you know? So mm. like if you skip a day at the gym, don't worry about it. It's mm. not going to, like it's not the end of the world, you know? Mm. It's like that terrible saying, you make your abs in the kitchen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think as well, I, I don't know um, what you guys think about this, but I often encourage clients um, that are complete beginners with exercise and um, healthy eating to just choose one for the start and slowly mm. like not like join a gym and go five days, mm. um, just aim to go the one. And then once they become comfortable with that, then start the diet or vice versa. Mm. I don't know what you think about that, mm. but like you don't get into a car straight away and go out after the motorway. Mm. You know, you, mm. you need to you need baby steps. Mm. You need to build someone up. And sometimes that is just steps. So yeah, you're focusing on diet and you're going for a walk mm-hmm. for the first two weeks and then you're going to try to do 10 minutes of a workout at home. The gym is a very scary place if you've never been there. So trying to change your diet is enough of a job and mental turmoil sometimes to take on without the guilt that can come with having to do all this exercise with it. And it should never be guilt. So if it feels that way, you don't do it right now. You focus on one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. And then if you don't do it, you feel you failed and then you're back on that cycle yeah. again. That's the thing with failure. It's trying to get that message out there that failure is part of the process. Mm-hmm. I failed so many times in trying to get better and overcome numbers and overcome the watch and everything. But you need the moments of failure to realise what triggers it, mm-hmm. what caused it. So that then you know how to better work on your reactions to those moments in the future, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yes, it yeah. does. It does. Well, once again, some really good points made there. Um, thanks a million for coming in this morning. And the great thing is that you're based all around the southeast. So if people need to talk to any of you, you're you're right here in the region. And again, I'll give those Instagram handles out again. So for Natalie's, who's a personal trainer and nutritional coach, it is Natalie Lennon underscore. There's a H in there. Um, for Karen, who is a therapist based in County Kilkenny, it's um, at Sparrow Therapy and Wellness. And for Peter, who is a personal trainer and a nutritionist as well. And then you're doing your Facebook page. You can chat to you on your private Facebook page if you sign up for your plan as well. Is that right? Yeah. yeah people just, I create more of a community. Good stuff. So if you want to check out what Peter's doing, it's at Peter O'Halloran. Again, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. And the Goran Park Red Mills Race Day and Style Event takes place this coming Saturday in County Kilkenny. The day is going to combine the best of racing style with top-notch Cheltenham Trials Day as well. Stylist Marietta Doran is one of the judges and she's on the phone with more details. You're very welcome to the Sunday Grill, Marietta. Hi, Orla. How are you? I'm great. You are a dab hand at these style days at this stage, aren't you? Yes, and do you know what? I just so love them. I'm passionate about fashion and racing, so I'm very lucky that I can combine both and call it work. It's a funny one. I love watching the style days, especially around the southeast. I can never call the winners. Is it a very particular thing that you're looking for? I know the theme for Goran Park this Saturday is winter chic. 
to me that's leather gloves and coats but I suppose yes. for you and the rest of the judges is it something very particular? Uh, yes, um, I mean winter chic, racewear appropriate you know very much kind of country chic that's what we're looking for and Red Mill stock that kind of fashion you know they go with the Dubarry the lovely tweeds, the leathers, the gloves they've got great accessories so we're looking for a lady and gent that reflects that style. And of course, they do wonderful trilby hats. So kind of head to toe glamour. Kate Very Middleton, stylish. I'm thinking. Yeah, exactly. And actually, when I was describing that, Orla, that's exactly who I was <laughs> visualising because, you know, a lot of the brands that they actually have in Red Mills, uh, Kate Middleton actually wears herself, like Hicks and Brown, Welly Goggs, Dubarry and Irish brand. So that's kind of what we're looking for. And, you know, it's my favourite type of glamour. Because it not only looks good, it's actually very comfortable to wear. You know, the whole outfit is comfortable. Mm. Um, we see a lot of best dressed men these days as well. Is it harder to judge a best dressed man? Um, it's not really because you know what? It's lovely when a guy actually makes an effort. I mean, most guys that go, go racing, they all look really well. Mm. But I suppose for the guy that we'll be, you know, looking at and crowning our winner you know they will stand out from the other guys because they will have also like the ladies head to toe glamour so they'll probably be wearing a headpiece you know and actually a lot of the guys are really on board with this mm. and they're really really pushing the boat out and making a huge effort and it's really lovely to see on board of their own choice or kind of pushed into being on board thanks to their partners <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Although, you know what I'm meeting now as well? A lot of guys, you know what, they actually are now dressing for themselves. Mm. They're not necessarily getting style advice from their better half. And that's what I love to hear as well. They've become more fashion conscious. And it's lovely to see so it is. And of course, it's lovely to see at a day's racing. It's a great excuse to get dressed up as well. And it's lovely to see people dressed up and looking smart. Do you find that you see a lot of the same faces every time at Style Days? It seems to be something that people really embrace if they're going to be judged on their style. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I meet like all the regular faces. And actually, it's lovely when you meet new faces as well because mm. it's open to everybody. But um, yeah, down through the years, I've made great friendships, you know, surrounding the the competitions. And actually, likewise, the ladies and gents that take part in these competitions, they've formed great friendships and they're always looking forward to seeing what will you turn up in next or what are you wearing today? You know, I, I love that. I'm real nosy. You know, if I admire something and I like something that someone's wearing, the first thing I'll say is, where did you buy that? You know, mm -hmm. so it's actually a great opportunity to get style tips and see what's, you know, current and on trend and what's out there, you know. And I see as well, one of the words that was used for winter chic was headbands and hairbands. They seem to be massive at the moment. Can anyone wear those? I've stuck them on me in shops and gone. I suppose your hair has to be styled around it, but I get a bit of a fright when I see my, it looks like I'm looking back at my primary school self sometimes. <laughs> no, I bet you look lovely. So you mm. do. But I love hairbands. And actually, I'm better, Orla, with chunkier hairbands. Mm. It's funny. The fine ones kind of get lost on me with my hair and stuff. So I love the chunky and I the love... The high ones, is that what you mean? Those yeah, ones. Yeah, the high mm. ones and actually they've got a great selection of kind of velvet jewellery embossed um, headbands in Red Mills as well okay. as part of their accessories collections and actually I have a couple of them and you know what 
they're the easiest thing to wear to upstyle an outfit, you know? Yeah, that is really true. You could go full on black and then decide to wear a hairband as well. Yeah, exactly. And I find, you know, just a little tip. And I find I can wear them when my hair is down. They don't look great on me when I've my hair mm. swept back, mm. you know? So it's all about getting the right hairstyle to suit the headband or crown. You know, and indeed it goes the same for a headpiece or a hat. Mm. You know, the hair should be right as well and complement the, the, the head the headpiece. Okay. Um, and as you said, it is literally head to toe when it comes to style days at uh, days like this. Yeah, it is. And it's really lovely. I mean, where else do you get the opportunity to wear a hat, you know, boots, get all de- decked out? I mean, you're talking about maybe a wedding or, you know, getting mm. you know dressed up, looking really well. That's why these competitions and Ladies' Day, they're great because it just gives you that opportunity to get all dressed up to get out and enjoy yourself and I particularly love this style because you know the country chic it's very easy to wear you look smart but you know what I feel like I'm cheating because it's just so comfortable yeah. I love wearing big boots you know as opposed to the high heel shoes you know and the strappy dresses yeah I hear it's a lot of my friends say they love winter clothes rather than summer because you're less exposed as well yeah exactly mm. exactly Exactly. And I love them. I fully embrace it. And actually, I think it's a style that kind of suits me better as well. And I meet a lot of ladies and guys and they say the same thing. You know, you can really embrace it. You can be comfortable. You can be warm, but you can be also super stylish. You know, well, if you want to give it a go, it is Winter Racing Chic is the theme at the Goran Park Red Mills Race Day and Style Event. It takes place this Saturday at Goran Park in County Kilkenny, a gorgeous race course. And if you want to check out Red Mills, um, they are in uh, near the Lyrath at Killen Hill Retail Park there in Canticle Kenny. If you want to check out their website, it is redmillstore.ie and you can see some of the fashion that they have available there as well. Marietta, have a lovely day on Saturday. Thank you so much for talking to oh, us. Oh, can't wait. Thanks so much, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, the Alcoholic Anonymous Convention is taking place in Wexford from February the 21st to the 23rd. It'll be on in Clayton White's Hotel in Wexford Town. And the convention aims to reach people suffering from alcoholism as well as their friends or family who may be affected. We have two people to talk to about this this morning. One is Mary from Alcoholics Anonymous and then Paul is on the phone from Al-Anon to tell us a little bit about that what they do as well. And both names are anonymous. And Mary, I might start with you and okay. about that and why you decide to be anonymous. Because I think this is Ireland and a lot of people will think, oh, I, I, I won't go to AA or I won't go to Al-Anon because there's, especially if you're in a small town like Wexford, there's a really good chance that you will meet someone you know. Yeah. Did you find that yourself? Yeah, I did. Um, I suppose there's a certain amount of maybe... Uh, shame and guilt and all of that, you know, failure, disappointment and all of those things. If you find yourself in Alcoholics Anonymous because it's almost, you know, there's sort of a stigma attached to alcoholism, really. But which I would have been guilty of that as well, because I didn't really know what alcoholism was. Mm. But by by joining, a, I actually learned an awful lot about alcoholism and it is actually a disease. It's recognised by the World Health Organisation as being a disease. Mm-hmm. And was that anonymity kept up for you? Did you feel that you could be as anonymous as you wanted to be going to AA in your hometown, for example? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, it's up to each individual how anonymous they want to be. But it's not necessarily maybe just about me. It's about the people, my friends in AA. I have to respect their anonymity as well. 
So even though I can speak about my uh, membership of AA, I have to respect other people's anonymity because not everybody maybe would like, they might be in positions where they necessarily don't want their workmates mm. or whatever to know that they're in AA. And it's mm. purely up to each person, whatever they want to do themselves. Okay. So it's thinking about the other person, not just yourself Basically who's it in is. the class as yeah, well. It is. Um, and the same then, Paul, with Al-Anon. You might tell us a little bit about what Al-Anon does before we ask you that question. Yeah, sure. Um, well, Al-Anon is for friends and family and colleagues of people who uh, may have a drinking issue, but that's neither here nor there. The point is that they're affected by it. right? Mm. So it's about a support for families and friends, as I say, who are affected by it. There's a lot of help out there, and it's become very mainstream now uh, in films and television programs uh, to talk about addiction and to talk about going to get help, like AA has done a great job down through the years, since 1934. Mm-hmm. So they've, it's now become nearly mainstream. There's, you know, it's hard to see a film out there now where people aren't affected by some form of addiction and then end up in, in the end of the film uh, in AA, beginning their journey of recovery. There is little or no awareness at that uh, public level or that sort of a film and television level of the effects that the family has on the family. Mm. So Al-Anon is kind of a, a well-kept secret, if you like. Al-Anon is, everybody confuses it with AA. Oh, you're going to Al-Anon, that's AA, isn't it? Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It's, uh, it's totally separate. It was set up in 51, and uh, when people realized that, boy, just being around this, being affected by this, having the shame of this, that you talked about there, and having all of that, to do that uh, in a small town or a big town or a city uh, takes its toll. Mm, it so does. we go up sort of trying to protect, trying to hide, trying to, you know, cover mm. in shame and, mm-hmm. and lots of other things because we just can't talk about it, right? So uh, al came into being because of that. And uh, it's not associated with any religious or political or any other institution outside. It's fully self-supporting. And it is just for people who've been affected by somebody else is drinking. Okay. You can even call people alcoholics. That's up to them to do mm. that. But Have you used the services of Al-Anon? Oh, I have indeed and have done for many, many years. Yes, exactly. 30, 40 years now over, uh, I've used the services. And that's a great word, um, Orla, uh, services, because that's what it is. It's just a service to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole helpline. There's a whole support system. And uh, it's there. And as I say, on this convention, there will be Al-Anon meetings. And uh, you'd be more than welcome to come along to that. Okay. Um, Mary, you might answer this one. I think we have a very straight idea of what we think an alcoholic is, but I'm yeah. sure there's lots of different types. What does an alcoholic look like, do you think? Well, to be honest, an alcoholic can look like an, like any age. Um, alcoholism doesn't, is not fussy. It can mm. take anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be any age. You can be male or female, you can be uh, unemployed, you can be very in a powerful position in employment. Um, there, there isn't, it, it's, it's as individual as the people themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it can look like anybody. I mean, it can, it can be a housewife, which is actually becoming more common, really. Women drinking wine at home mm. can, you know, it starts out with maybe a glass of wine and then it goes to two and then it goes to more and suddenly it's, out of control. So an alcoholic. And is it a daily thing, alcoholism? Um, not necessarily. Not okay. all alcoholics will drink every day. Not mm. all alcoholics will get drunk every time they do drink. But the general run of it is that for an alcoholic, the alcohol is in their mind all the time. Okay. They think about it all the time, whether they're planning how to get it or when to get it or how much to get it or when they're going to drink it. It's on their mind all the time. 
And you joined the AA 11 years ago. I did. What happened that you thought, right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to join this. Well, my drinking was similar to what I just said with the glass of wine and then a couple of glasses of wine and then, you know, a bit more. Mm. And, you know, very soon I found it. I was thinking about, you know, what am I going to get? When am I going to get it? When am I going to drink it? And then it was awkward because I knew that my drinking wasn't normal. I drank at home mostly. I finished up that I turned into a secret drinker. Mm. So now there was the bother of, you know, having nobody around when I was having a drink. And I knew mentally that it wasn't right. I just knew that my style of drinking wasn't normal. I could go out and have a normal drink with other people. Uh But when I was really, you know, enjoying it, I was drinking alone. And that's not a way to enjoy a drink. And did it have an effect on your family and friends, do you think? It it would have done, but I wouldn't have realised it for a long time because mm. I, I I shut my family out. I became very isolated. I blocked people out. I closed the door, pulled the curtains, turned off the phone, didn't really want anyone around me. And I, I just isolated myself from family. And it's only later on that I really realised mm. how much I isolated my family from my life. And how long did that go on for? Um... It's kind of hard to say. I suppose a few years, really, before Mm. I realised. And on the last day that I drank, something just happened mentally. And I I just thought, I can't do this anymore. And that was the start of it. And I I knew about AA. I had been in Al-Anon, strangely enough, for a good few years. So I I have other people. So there was alcoholism in your family. Yeah, I have uh, people close to me who were in AA at the time so I knew where to go I was very fortunate and I just went to AA and and that's what I've been doing ever since and I just kept going and life just gets better and better all the time Okay, congratulations Thank you What do you call yourself? You know we always hear oh an alcoholic is always an alcoholic Are you a recovered alcoholic? or? Well, I mean the big book says that uh, we recover Mm. from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body and I feel that that's what I've done I've recovered once I don't pick up the first drink and that's all it is Mm -hmm. it's just the very first drink because if I don't pick up the first drink I can't get drunk and you know I can maintain this lovely life that I have so Great and that's 11 years on so congratulations and as we said the convention the Alcoholic Anonymous convention is taking place in Wexford on February the 21st until the 23rd and Paul you might tell us what people will as we said, it's for people who might need to attend Al Anon or the AA. And what are they doing during the convention? What will they find out? Well, there'll be meetings there, um, you know, of like similar like people. And uh, in those meetings, then you will either feel comfortable or not. You know, you just come along. It's a it's a family disease. You know, it's it's cunning. It's baffling. It's insidious. You know, you ask there what makes an alcoholic uh, to marry, you know, it's anything. You know, there's mm. as many types of alcoholics out there as there are people. And it's funny and, what Mary was saying and what you were saying earlier. I think you could replace alcohol with a lot of other addictions and it would be the absolutely. same mm. um, feelings that you yeah. had always thinking about it. When can you get the next? Yeah. Well, yeah, always covering up, uh, you know, mm. always uh, not knowing. You see, I think ignorance is the big thing. You talk there about uh, shame and uh, isolation. Uh, again, that's the big thing. When you isolate and you try to work it out yourself, um, it becomes uh, really insidious. You know, that you're doing things, you're, you're ringing up and you're telling that your partner or whatever is not is unwell and you know they're not. And, you know, um, whatever. You just get into this thing called enabling 
where mm-hmm. you actually become part of the disease, mm-hmm. you become part of this family disease, where you have a role to play, and you become as unwell as they do, mm-hmm. right? Um, of course, they've got to drink, and the drink then gets them off into a level where they can do no more, and that's you know their final cry uh, for help. That doesn't happen in an unknown situation because you're there, you're worrying, you're setting, you're hiding, mm-hmm. you're uh, don't saying anything, and but you're still pretty well, you know, uh, unwell yourself. And you're enabling, as you said. All in all, we'll teach the people that, or not teach the people, all in all, we'll give people the opportunity of seeing how deeply they are enmeshed with this cunning family battling insidious disease. That's all over the world, particularly, not particularly anywhere, but all over the world. And um, what I have found is that in all on, there's a set of guidelines that help you start to get well yourself, help you to detach, to help you to realize, you know, your role in this uh, insidious disease. Because we have a role, and uh, if you're not aware of it, then you can just keep doing the same things over and over again and getting the same results. Yeah. yeah. And in a way, you don't know you have a role because, you know, you could feel it's nothing to do with you, you know? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You think that, Orla. Yeah, you think that all oh, this I'm gone. Often people go, well, actually, I'm out of here. I've left, I'm gone, and... I'm away somewhere else, you know, and then I'm not affected. But, you know, particularly in my case where you were trained in that environment, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I was born into it. Mm-hmm. So it was that environment of hostility, that environment of fear, that mm-hmm. environment of, of of whatever, you know. As a child, then you try to become this great guy and people please and keep everybody happy and try to stop the thing from erupting. And somewhere along the line, you turn that inwards and you thought, this is something to do with me and my behavior. And you, you didn't know. You, you started guessing at life. And you carry that through the rest of your life. So leaving it isn't usually enough. Uh, or It's just about what's going on for you inside. Yeah, yeah. Al-Anon mm. will help anybody who wants help. And it's there just for people who want it. Mm. Um, not for people who need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's millions out there who need it, but they don't want it. So that's okay. Okay. But so for anybody who want wants it. a little bit of support and wants a bit of help, then coming along to that convention, there will be open meetings where you'll be listening to alcoholics and listening to Al-Anon members. And then there'll be closed meetings, just where the alcoholics will go into their own room and the Al-Anon people go into their own room. And there's a, a different set of guidelines for both okay. of them. Yeah. And it might be a good way for some people who haven't taken that step to join meetings yet to just dip their toe in the water and see. Absolutely. Uh, it's mm. a lovely way of doing it. You're not saying anything. You're not coming here. You know, nobody's going to ask you why you're here or who it is. or anything. None of that. It's just... Just one little thing that I wanted to say about... Um, about whites in Wexford mm. it's very well suited to this type of a convention because mm-hmm. with anonymity and like like Paul said some people may be very self-conscious about going in they might mm. not want to be seen going in mm-hmm. so they have an underground car park there which uh, they're given they're given us a special offer for the convention so anybody who might be concerned about anonymity can go into the car park take the lift and go straight up to the first floor right. and that's where everything is happening that's a great idea yeah so yeah, good it's stuff. really good yeah it's kind of an Irish complaint isn't it we're it's afraid of everyone of, yeah. knowing everything yeah. about our business yeah. and we're so small that someone is related to someone isn't it yeah honestly yeah. Great. Well, listen, um, the Alcoholics Anonymous Convention with Al-Anon takes place in Wexford, as you heard, at the Clayton Whites Hotel uh, from February 21st to the 23rd. If you want to get more details, you can go on to alcoholicanonymous.ie. That's alcoholicsanonymous.ie. And also alanon.ie is the website for them, too. Mary. Yeah, I could just say as well, yeah, Orla, it, uh, there is a helpline there, you know, that if you just, uh, in the meantime, uh, while you're waiting for this to February to come along, um, so if you dial 01-873-2699, 
That's manned by uh, an anonymous member from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And uh, you just, you don't have to give your name anything at all, but if you ring that line, then somebody will be able to talk you through it. Yeah, that's where you're at, yeah. Great. So that is Alanon, and that number is 01873 Paul, thank you so much. And Mary, thank you for coming into studio as well. Thank Best you, Best of luck with the convention. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, the Initium Southeast programme is running all year round. We're going to hear more about it from Maria Couchman. She is the Economic Development Officer at the Local Enterprise Office in County Carlow and Damien Donnellan, who is the CEO of Dulan in Ireland and Scotland and the ambassador of this programme. They're both here this morning to tell us more. You're very welcome. Good morning, Orla. Good morning, Orla. Thank you for having us. Now, you might explain a little bit about this because I think sometimes when we hear about business, we think... Oh, not for me. But there's lots of startup companies in the southeast that might be interested in this, Maria. Absolutely, Ola. So the Initium Southeast uh, program, it's a new program designed to start um, ambitious startups or to support ambitious startups in the southeast region. Um, it is being delivered by the local enterprise, the southeast local enterprise office network of Carlo, Kilkenny, Tipperary, Waterford and Wexford. And the idea behind the program is that it would um, help companies or individuals who've got a business idea or indeed companies who've been uh, trading for up to 18 months and to really help them to refine their business idea. Um, I suppose what sets the Initium program apart in one sense is that we focus, um, we run the program under different headings. So there's a an ICT, a software and technology um, cycle is the first cycle, followed by an engineering cycle. Towards the end of the year, we have a talent opportunity uh, cycle, which will look at a number of different topics within within that cycle of the program. So basically, you're saying if you have a startup idea or in a startup for the past 18 months and you fit one of those genres, you should go to that two day boot camp. You should go to that okay. two day boot camp, exactly, Orla. So uh, the boot camp, the, the program itself, it's very much acknowledged that when individuals or companies are at that startup stage, you know, their time is really precious. So this program is very much designed to use your time in a very efficient manner. Um, it's delivered through a, 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 a an intense boot camp workshop, which will look at your concept or look at your business model if you're trading and really identify the areas that might need a little bit more work or more refinement. From that, then you will work with uh, a specific business mentor um, and the outputs from, from the boot camp and also from the mentoring will be that you will have a refined business plan that you know is market fit and is ready for a startup. Um, and it will also help you to do some funding applications to access some grants that are available from the local enterprise office. Wow, so it's all there. Damien, as we said, you're from Doolan, you're the CEO, but you're also the ambassador or one of the ambassadors for Initia. And what will you be doing? Uh, what interested us in the programme and why we believe this sets it apart from anything else is that we are here to provide some support, guidance uh, from our previous experiences. We are an organisation that have started uh, back 10 years ago on mm. the Local Enterprise Office programme uh, and have so been right through the other end. something like this. Okay, and, and tell us what you do. Uh, what we do, essentially, we are revolutionising a, a training uh, industry in the same way as that tech revolutionised the travel industry. Okay. And uh, we are taking an existing uh, industry and applying advances in technology to make it more efficient and cost effective. <laughs> uh, which started off, believe it or not, in, in a uh, the lobby of a hotel and that was where our first uh, set of meetings were held for the first six months before we moved into office. And how did Leo um, help you? What what was the first initial contact with them, if you remember, 10 years ago? Uh, I, I, do, I do well. And I suppose that the initial one for us was a feasibility study to see if our concept was going to fly. Mm. Uh, and that progressed right up into recent years to giving us uh, job grants to employ the team of 10 that we have in Wexford and another 10 throughout the country. 
uh, and with the view of um, doubling that number in the next 12 months. As you mentioned, there's a lot of supports out there for startups and really, I suppose, how we're trying to set this programme um, apart, I suppose, from some of them. You know, one of the biggest value pieces that we have on the Initiative programme, it is the backup of ambassadors such as Damien. You know, these guys have, you know, they've walked the walk of the startup uh, journey. They, you know, they felt the pain. They know what the challenges are like. They're now at a stage where they've progressed their business. They're trading successfully and they want to give back. So they're giving back through the programme by, you know, giving access. They're giving talks. They're also, you know, offering up potential buddies within their company that the participants in the, in the in the startups can actually access and get some real live advice from and in some instances we're hoping they may actually be in a, that the ambassadors may actually be in a position to offer some co-working spaces to some of these real high potential startup companies so if you do have an idea or indeed if you have been trading for up to 18 months you know absolutely do go onto the website you'll get more information there on the local enterprise.ie backslash Carlo. And is there, it's a two-day boot camp, but obviously you keep in contact then. It's a two-day boot, two boot camp, but it's also supplemented by three mentoring sessions. Okay. So the idea behind it is that in, in combination, so that the, the boot camp itself would look at different areas of your business development plan. Then with your mentor, you would actually be able to, um, on a one-to-one basis, actually resolve any issues or any challenges you have. This isn't a stop-start program. It's a start-and-grow program. Okay. We're very much um, uh, designed to support companies in a very sustainable fashion. But obviously people need to apply for this program. They absolutely need okay. to apply. You're not and taking your <laughs> They absolutely need to apply um, for the programme and the, the closing date for applications um, for the um, for the ICT, so for the technology software um, and visualisation one and also for engineering. It's the 21st of February. Okay. So if you are interested, please go through, uh, go onto the website, the localenterprise.ie backslash Carlo and submit your registrations and um, hopefully we'll see you in the initial programme very soon. And that will tell you the different genres and the different dates That'll as well. That will give you all the dates, the different, the different cycles as well, exactly. Okay, good stuff. Is any idea too small? I like what, Not at what all. You're, what you're talking about, what you do and then when we, but then there's people out there having small maybe craft ideas completely or, completely mm. and this the, the, this program is very much um, it's tailored the, the, the beauty of it is that you know through the mentoring part of it it's very much tailored to your bespoke idea to your bespoke situation to your bespoke resources um, you know it could be somebody that actually has been working within the engineering industry you know they've got, they've got their funding in place to, to do a startup or it could be somebody that's actually in the kitchen has got an idea for making marshmallows or you know something that's you know a, you know, a little yeah, bit more simple perhaps totally um, but this initiating program it is open across you know all different sizes or scales of ideas um, I suppose what kind of defines it is that in the first the first four cycles of the programme it will be um, it will be this more the technology the software mm. then the engineering life sciences financial sciences but don't forget about the talent opportunity which is the fifth cycle which really is open to all different topics or different okay. ideas as well Okay so that's when you can give so your light bulb can, moments Exactly okay, Great oh, As you said localenterprise.ie forward slash Carlo February 21st is, is the closing the, date for the first two the cycles The very first two cycles but then you can keep an eye out on the other ones Exactly Okay great thanks a million that is Maria Couchman Economic Development Officer for LEO in County Carlo and Damien Donnellan from Doolan uh, he is the CEO for Ireland and Scotland thank you so much for coming in Orla, this morning Thank you very, very much, much The Sunday Grill Movie Munchies with Odeon Waterford Action or Comedy Sci-Fi or Rom-Com with a choice of eight screens There's a film with your name on it more at odeoncinemas.ie Birds of Prey or to give it its full title Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn is the follow-up to DC Suicide Squad and stars Margot Robbie of course as Harley Quinn the former psychiatrist who became a crazed criminal and Joker's accomplice and girlfriend but has since broken up with him and has become a solo vigilante 
Margot Robbie has also produced this. I read that blurb and it confused me so much. It went on for paragraphs and paragraphs. So there's a lot to digest in this movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, if I'm confused by the plot line, let's see how Brian got on when he went to the press screening a few days ago. He's had a few days to gather his thoughts. <laughs> let's have a listen after this. Can I help you? Why, yes, yes, you can. I'm here to report a terrible crime. And what terrible crime is that? This one. I told this all wrong. Quick history lesson. This all started when the Joker and I broke up. It was completely mutual. And soon enough, I was back on my feet, ready to embrace the fierce goddess within. <laughs> it's oh so quiet. Now that I've cut ties with Mr. J, I'm about to learn that a lot of people You're want me dead. All alone. And at the top of that list is this guy. And so peaceful. But it turns out <laughs> that wasn't the only dame in Gotham looking for emancipation. There you go. That is Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Margot Robbie in the past 12 months I have seen her in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Bombshell, which she is nominated for Best Supporting Actress for. And she was nearly nominated for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. What do you mean by nearly? Well, she was nominated in the Golden Globes for comedy. Oh, and she didn't so get it for... So she was nominated for both, I think. Ah, okay. So she didn't get either. Um, and of course, nothing for this. Because nothing. this it's, is not an yeah, Oscar-y day. Not counted yet. Okay. Oh, not counted yet. Yeah, because it has to be out for the cinema two weeks during the Oscar period. From Excellent. January to December. Okay. So maybe next year. Am I right in saying that Suicide Squad didn't do great. There was a lot of hype about it. Yeah. So it had mm. one of the best trailers ever. I remember when the trailer dropped yes. and it has Bohemian Rhapsody and everyone was like losing yeah. their minds. Yeah. Very um, graffiti-ish. Yeah. Apparently what happened was they did so many different cuts and like they, they edited, re-edited like three times. Like the people that, like on the third edit, it was the people that made the trailer re-edited or something. So by the time of that and there was like reshoots and stuff as well, they were just kind of all over the place, I think. Okay. So where are we now? So it's, it starts off with Harley Quinn and the Joker breaking up for good this time. And it's the Joker doesn't appear in it. Like there's a small little thing where a Joker appears, but it's for a second. And, and it's so weird to even hear. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. also so weird for me to hear Joker because I'm just thinking of Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. So it's all a bit confusing or is it? Uh, not really. Like it doesn't really have anything to do with Joker like as much as you think Joker and Harley Quinn two mm. independent movies one after another mm-hmm. they have nothing to do with each other it doesn't like obviously there's the only like Bruce Wayne mention and stuff mm. is the only real connection obviously Joker mentioned but there's nothing there's nothing between the two it's not a follow on it is a follow on from Suicide Squad there's some little nods to Suicide Squad and like some of the characters because James Gunn's directing the new Suicide mm-hmm. Squad some of those characters are retaining their roles like Harley Quinn is for or Margot Robbie is for Harley Quinn and Fellow to play Boomerang as well, and there's a nice little nod to him at one stage. Okay. Um, and I thought that was pretty good, but yeah, it's 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 in between the two. It's like setting up for the new Suicide Squad and kind of throwing away the old Suicide Squad as well. Are we trying to forget the Suicide? Are we are we trying to forget the Suicide Squad? Yeah, I feel like they're kind of trying to let's let's forget about it. like even though I liked it, I like mm. Suicide Squad. It gets a bad rap the whole time, mm. but I did enjoy it. It was fun. It was different, like but. Mm. Look, it's not the majority rules. And so. Birds of Prey in a way passed me by because I kept getting emails about it, about yeah. the press screening and here's the latest trailer from it. And because of the title, the title to me has nothing to do with any sort of franchise. Yeah. Or, you know, even when I'm reading out the full title, this fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, that makes more sense to me yeah. than 
Birds of Prey. Is there a reason why it's called Birds of Prey? Uh, in, in the last two minutes, there okay. is. It's, it's, it's just, <laughs> I don't want to ruin anything, but it, like, it doesn't make sense for the, this, the film, but I think it's a nice title. Birds of Prey is kind of like attacking. I, I don't know, there's something kind of graceful and attacking about it, which is kind of what the film is. Okay. What is Margot Robbie? We've seen her in the role as a uh, real-life actress. Yeah. Um, we've seen her playing kind of a, a whole amalgamation of women who've experienced yeah. some sort of abuse and bombshell. Tanya Harding as well in I, Tanya. Tanya Harding. This completely fantastical character. Yeah. What? How does she do this? She, it's, it's her, like, it's her Iron Man role. It's like anyone else was. If anyone else was to take over the mantle, it would feel like an injustice to her. Like okay. I mean, like if it was recast for the new Suicide Squad, it'd be one of those things where people are like they're not they're not happy that okay. she's like she's phenomenal. And anytime she's on screen, she just steals the show. Like mm. she she becomes DC's Deadpool. I think that like it's like you can't imagine Deadpool without Ryan Reynolds mm. or Iron Man without Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they just it's so perfect for her, and she just does it so well because. She is a fantastic actress. Yeah, she's, she's like, I argue she's probably one of the best ones working mm. now. Like, mm. and like that comes through at some stages where it's like the craziness, but then she can just like the accents. go go between two people, and then yeah. like she can just be really sad, and then just like mm. perk up. And it's like it doesn't seem forced or anything. It seems like the character. It's, I think she's phenomenal. To be honest, great. Okay, uh, let's give it. Was there any standout moments for you in it? Uh, like. I thought it was really funny. Um, like the characters as well, I thought were really good. Uh, Hugh McGregor was fantastic in yeah, it as well. Yeah, we never talked about some of the quite well-known actors that are yeah. in it. Hugh McGregor is one of them. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead yes. is kind of and Rosie Perez is in it as well. Yeah, I like the the cast. The cast of it is great. It's, it's one of those things where like some films they pick because the names will carry it. Mm. Like Margot Robbie is fantastic, mm-hmm. and Hugh McGregor. I always say is one of the, one of the best ones. Like he's just he can be anything. He can be train spotting, and then he can be Lumiere and Beauty and the Beast. Like you know. Okay. Um, right. And it's it's one of those things where they pick the best people for the job, and that would be the best characters rather than the biggest names. Like and that has I think it really really helped it. Great. Uh, let's black pudding it. I gave it nine oh, out wow. of ten. Okay. Yeah, I, I really I really enjoyed it. Okay, so that is nine black puddings out of ten for Birds of Prey, um, which. Brian has seen before any of us, but yeah. it is out now and has so many times in the various cinemas across the southeast. If you fancy it, um, let's talk Oscars. Yeah, and you are the perfect person to talk those. I'm very excited. Have you seen Parasite? I haven't. Oh God, you don't understand how much trouble I've had trying to see Parasite. Okay, All it's right. not been on anywhere. Is that possibly the only one of the best director movies you haven't seen? 1917, it's... The Irishman, Joker, Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, so I've I have made I made a list of like all the biggest ones. I've even seen like all the animated features and everything. Okay, like, uh, all it's, right. It's the only kind of big one that I haven't seen. So let's talk about who you think is going to win these. Um, best director, Grand. It's kind of the best picture one that I always like to look at, and it's usually the same list of movies anyway. And yeah. um, but there's lots of them in this one, so it's four. Versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit. I loved Jojo yeah. Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite doing the business. You know, I do not actually know what Parasite is about. I haven't, like, I, 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 I really want to watch it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's annoying me so much because you see all these things like Ryan Reynolds yeah. tweeting, oh my God, I just saw it. How have it taken this so long? And it's like, it's just like in my face yeah. all the time. It's, you don't understand the trouble I've had with it. I know. What do you think will take Best Picture though? Um, uh, I I 
think 1917. Yeah. Like if I was if I was to pick my favorite one, it would be Jojo Rabbit by a mile. Like oh, that just just broke me, devastated me so subtly. Yeah, but like it was you uh, you want to see it again straight away. Mm. Like um, 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 Scarlett Johansson is up for best supporting actress for Jojo Rabbit, but also best, best actress, actress for yeah. Marriage Story. An odd one. Do you think she'll pick up either of those? I. Don't like. Okay. I, I think it's funny that in a year that where she got so much controversy for being like, oh, oh, cancel Scarlett Johansson. Mm. She was in the highest grossing film of all time mm. and nominated for best actress and mm. best supporting actress. So, mm. but you cancel don't think culture. Um, no, I think best actress will go to Renee Zellweger for Judy. Okay. And I think best supporting actress. Um, I don't know. I think that was one of the tough ones. I think Florence, Florence for Little Women. Florence. Puh. Uh-huh. I, I don't know I struggle with the surname but I, I think I thought she was fantastic but she's not the favourite Laura Dern is for Marriage Story because okay. she won the Golden Globe but I don't know I, I felt that Florence Poe was was better like I love Little Women so Okay uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in it once again for Best Actor has he won an Oscar yet? He won for The Revenant Yes But uh, I didn't like Revenant at all No I didn't even watch yeah. it due to the, the whole don't watch the bear scene I uh, fell asleep and I missed that <laughs> Did you? Yeah, okay so. uh, But this of course is for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to me Brad Pitt is what makes Once Upon a Time yeah. in Hollywood. So. I think he's going to walk the Best Supporting Actor. He's actually yeah. the only actor in the Best Supporting Actor that isn't a, already a, a person. Okay. Like So Cliff Booth is like an original character. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that will help him a lot because everyone else just has to kind of base their performance. Like they're all mm. great performances. Like Tom Hanks' one was phenomenal. I only mm. saw that like a couple of weeks ago. A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood. Yeah. and um, But Brad Pitt, I think, will walk that. Yeah, great. But Best actor, I don't know, because there are some great performances in there. Like. Yeah, so Jonathan Price is in there for oh, the two popes as well. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix, of course, yeah. for Joker. I put my money on that. Adam Driver for Marriage Story and Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. Have you seen that? That came out last no, March. I couldn't get to see that either. Okay. But I think from the best performance out of the five of those, mm. like they're like the like Adam Driver, I think is up and coming one of the like going to be the Leo DiCaprio in like twenty years time. Like Leo DiCaprio, I think is one of the best actors mm. running right now. But Joaquin Phoenix, I think, is actually going to walk it. Yeah, me too. Like, uh, there's no, I don't have any really question about that. And obviously the one that's the big one for us is uh, Saoirse Ronan, our very own Carlos Saoirse Ronan. Yeah. Not only do we claim her as Irish, but she's our very own Southeast Saoirse Ronan. She's our friend as well, she's why not? Pal. We wish. like her. Yeah. I like her. I, I, mm. I love her. I think she's really yeah, great. I think she's brilliant. Um, Little Women, of course. Is this her third Oscar nomination? I think she was think 15 so. or so when she was nominated for Atonement. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, was it last year? Lady Bird. Lady Bird was, was two years ago, year, I think. Yeah, yeah maybe. Um, so she's up again for Little Women. But as you said, Judy is Rennie Zellweger's big yeah. one. And it seems to be the one that everyone thinks that she's going to walk away with. In Judy, I didn't think it was a great movie, but she was phenomenal. Okay. Are you going to sit up all night tonight and watch this? There's nowhere to watch it. Oh. I might have to... So they're not doing it. I remember being in college and watching it on a television no, station somewhere. I can't. I can't. Like, unless you're in America. Like, okay. this time last year I was over there. So Yeah. So it's not streamed even? No. It's only on American, on ABC. Okay. So I'll try. I might... For try, you. I might try and uh, tr figure out a way. Oh, I think it's very boring after a while, though, Brian. I, li I live for Do it. You? Yeah, oh, God. I've done it once and I got really bored. No, I got. I was. I was. I had there my list, of my predictions, and I was there checking them off, and I was so excited. <laughs> and the ads go come on, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. Like well, that's very oh, dancing with this, the stars. This is my Champions League yeah, final. Like, okay. I'm so excited for it. All right, well, listen, enjoy it, and we will talk to you soon. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103.